This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknutter. It is Tuesday, November 26th. 2019. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. If it's Tuesday, that can mean only one thing. Dwayne Long will join us in just a minute here. Today is a mega pod. After Dwayne comes on and spreads his usual brand of wit and wisdom, we will be joined by the Athletics' Dane Brugler, the premier NFL draft analyst going. We broke down every possible scenario for the Buckeyes when it comes to the NFL draft. It is going to be very detail-oriented, and it is an extended interview. If you just want to hear from Dwayne, when we go to commercial break, you can hop off. If if you want the most in-depth NFL draft preview you can possibly get on the Buckeyes, you will stick around. But first, the matter's at hand. Dwayne, how goes it this fine morning? Hey, it's it's Michigan week, man. (laughs) If you're not waking up every morning excited, just, uh, just looking forward to Saturday. I mean, it used to be you look forward to Thanksgiving. Now, they with the change in the schedule, uh, Thanksgiving takes a back seat. It's Michigan week. I heard Dave Biddle say on yesterday's podcast, it's like you get the Super Bowl every year. First thing we want to address, though, before we get to the game, we've talked ad nauseum about running back recruiting here for the class of 2020. Ohio State added a running back over the weekend. Cincinnati native Mayan Williams flipped from Iowa State to Ohio State officially. Your thoughts on adding him to the mix and what you would do going forward at the position for the class? Well, uh, you know, I've never been a, a huge fan of him, but the kid's a solid back, and he's been highly productive. Let's let's just, you know, you can't take that away from him. Uh, whether he's going to be an effective guy in our offense, we'll see, because he's now a Buckeye. Um I had a few other guys higher on my board. Uh, don't know what happened with uh, Bradford. That just seemed to be an odd situation. Uh, it could be very simply that the Buckeye staff liked Williams better after after uh, seeing them both this year. You know, so uh, uh, we'll see what we'll see what's happening. You know, you just got to look at how brutally effective this kid is. You know he's not uh, he's not a, a kid that you look at and see as a uh, you know a stud athlete. He just doesn't have that kind of size, and uh, he doesn't have great speed. But you know what? Uh, he is just the 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 number of yards this kid has accumulated. You got to look at that and say, well, you know, give him a shot. Let's see what he if he can do the same thing at this level. Okay, the game. Michigan comes in having won four in a row. I think there was a time earlier in the year we thought Michigan may not be a formidable opponent. Not the case now. They have cleaned things up. They are a much more efficient football team. However, if you go by the statistics, 
This would tell you the game's not going to be super close. I'm trying to look for matchups where Michigan has the advantage. I really don't see any. Where do you see Michigan having a chance to hurt Ohio State? I think that uh, Nico Collins is the most underrated receiver in the country. Uh, you know, he's he's just a kid that, well, he hurt us last year. You know, if, if the offense had just not uh, exploded on Michigan, it could have got interesting. you got to remember how many points they scored last year. But this is an, an entirely different defense. Uh, Okuda is, I haven't seen a draft projection him outside the top ten. The kid's just a shut-down corner in the truest sense of the word. Uh, Damon Arnett is playing great football on the other side, so Donovan Peoples-Jones is not going to have a, a field day. Uh, they got another kid actually has, uh, his name is Casey right now, who actually leads the team in receptions. But uh, I think that that's key. Uh, I think it's been key for Patterson, just that these guys are, are catching footballs for him. He's been better. Michigan's offensive line is just not a dominating line. They're still... Their leading rusher has just like 635 yards, I believe, is when I checked. They're not a team that's that's just gonna, uh, which is what Harbaugh wants: the team that could just pound the ball at you and and do it like he did it back when uh, uh, Jerry curls were popular. Uh, that just doesn't work anymore. I think it's been uh, hugely uh, impactful in why he has not been. A more successful coach is he's he's got to uh, join. Uh, he's just playing old school football, and uh, you know they're just not a, an effective running team. Nobody's been effective running against the Buckeyes. I you know as you say, Dan, statistically this doesn't look like a great game. I don't like us coming off our worst performance, even though it's kind of hard to look at it that way because it was really just turnovers and some really baffling uh, calls from the sideline. We wouldn't throw the ball against a team that is near the bottom of of uh, Division One football and pass defense and just ran the ball, ran the ball, ran the ball against a team that, is, that was forced statistically against a run coming in. I'll never understand the game plan. So uh, hopefully we'll get back to the balance that we've had coming in and uh, at that point, I think it, it could get get uh, pretty ugly. Uh, Michigan, they got a solid defense. Uh, they, they've gotten so much better. Michigan is playing very good football recently. Uh, early in the season, it was pretty ugly watching Michigan. They had no continuity with the offense. The defense, too, it just wasn't there. Uh, but they've gotten better, and give them credit for that. But... Uh, if if we return to our pre-Penn State game plan more than anything, because I don't think it was execution. Yes, you had the, the turnovers were huge. Think about how many points changed hands there uh, on the on the turnovers. Uh, it just if if we just go back to being the the team that we were for the rest of the season before this game. Um, we should come out of there with a pretty easy win. Two things jump out at me from your analysis there. That was the first Jerry Curl reference in the history of the BM5, which is strong. Secondly, it does seem like Michigan's going to have to throw the ball to be effective, and no one has done that. 
No one has lined up their receivers and tried to throw the ball with a downfield passing game on Ohio State consistently. Even Penn State was dinking and dunking mostly to their tight end. That means they have to block for an extended period of time, and that means Chase Young. So I, they, I would have to see how they're going to do that. To throw the ball downfield, you need a little bit of time. I don't know how they're going to block him. Here's my concern. Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins combined for what felt like 100 but was really somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 carries. Back-to-back weeks of them taking that kind of pounding. My hope is that that's because they're going to open it up in the passing game this week and they knew they were going to do that. Do you have any concern about attrition on the two main ball carriers for the Buckeyes? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, we're starting to see uh, Fields getting dinged. I don't know if you've noticed, but, it, you know, just little things. He's he's starting to take a bit of a pounding. Uh, I don't know if he fumbles that ball at the goal line uh, in about midseason. It's just starting to add up. I'm not real happy with the number of uh, carries, deliberate carries. I mean, the scrambles, yeah, great. I don't know if we need to to have him running as much as he is deliberately. Now, third and short. Uh, down inside the five-yard line, that kind of those kind of plays, he's just so difficult to stop. He's a big, strong kid. He's very athletic, and he can run. So you know, I understand it there, but I don't like called runs to him. Let's let's not do that for a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, let's cut down on that and and take the take the attrition off of him. As far as um, Dobbins is concerned, I don't know why we don't go with Teague more. I mean, uh, it doesn't make any sense. He's been highly effective. I think he's got more rushing yards than Michigan's leading rusher. Or it's right about there, pretty close to even. Uh, let's get him the ball. Dobbins is not a big kid. He's not a kid that uh, 225 pounds and six foot two. He's not a kid that's built to take that. And the way he's running, he is just taking on anybody and that kind of pounding i agree with you we should we should get away from that uh we should uh throw the ball more first and cut down on on the uh amount of uh punishment that we got our because it's over fields is out for one game at this point one game it's it's we're probably we're probably done uh i wanted to go back to your comment about the pass rush, if you're going to try to go down the field, you've got to hold those blocks that much longer. And uh, how many how many uh, sacks does Chase Young have if teams aren't dinking and dunking? He may be at that record for uh, NCAA for a season. You've got to get the ball. He's going to get through. He's going to get through. That's just the way it is. Uh, do you have time to, to uh, get the ball down the field? No. Just flat out no. It's not going to happen. There, there is only the dink and dunk. That's what Penn State did. Three steps, bang, the ball's out of there. And like you said, it was, I would say, overwhelmingly to the tight end. Uh, they didn't really go to their wide receivers much. That means holding on to the ball longer, and Young is going to get in there. And there are some other guys, that uh, Tyreek Smith, I, I want to see him uh, completely healthy for uh, next season. He is going to be a great player for us. We've got other guys, Zach Harrison. You're just uh, – you can't hold the ball back there. They're going to get you. If Young doesn't, one of the others is. 
conversely, I really would like Ohio State to throw the deep ball more often. I feel like Chris Olave is open all day and all night, but we shall see. Another thing we'll see is tonight the playoff rankings come out. Do you see Ohio State jumping LSU based on the win over Penn State? No, not just off the one big win. They're not going to do it. Now, go in to the big house and turn it into an outhouse. Yeah, that. Then they you start. People are going to start going. Now wait a minute. They're they beat a top ten team, then they come back and beat another good football team in their place. Uh, and then the Big Ten championship game. I really think that there's a strong argument if we uh, go undefeated the next three games or the next two games that uh, you know, we beat Michigan at their joint and then we win the Big Ten championship. I think there's a strong argument that Ohio State's schedule is as strong, if not stronger, than LSU's, and the defense is definitely stronger than LSU's. If that happens, I think it's going to come down to a beauty contest. It depends how Ohio State fares in that game, Big Ten championship game, and how LSU would fare in the SEC championship game. We appreciate Dwayne stopping by. Like we said, those who have an interest in Ohio State futures in the NFL and NFL draft geeks, please stay tuned after the commercial break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. As promised, Bucknutters, and let me tell you something, this is a real treat. We are joined by the best in the business, Dane Brugler, NFL Draft Analyst for The Athletic. Dane, thanks for joining us. Anytime, Dan. Appreciate you having me on. Dane, who has spent a good portion of his recent past in Texas, has matriculated back to the Buckeye State, his home state, and today we are going to break down all the Buckeyes we think that will be draft eligible. I'm just going to go down the list here. Dane has sent me a list. He obviously goes from back to front on offense, so we will start with J.K. Dobbins, and we will finish with Jordan Fuller. First, J.K. Dobbins, I think we all assume he's going to leave. Dane's going to give us a breakdown of each guy and where he sees them going in the draft. So let's go with the guy who is definitely in the ice bath right now, J.K. Dobbins. What what a workhorse. I mean, you don't see that a lot in today's modern football, college or pros, where they're – you know, they look fresh into the fourth quarter, 30-plus carries. Uh, I mean, he just, he's built for the pro game uh, with his body type, uh, with his demeanor. Uh, love the determination he plays with. And, you know, he's not, he's not an explosive athlete, but he's so skilled at finding and clearing the hole at the line of scrimmage. Um, and that's, that's his vision. That's his patience. Um, and we talk so much about quarterback decision-making. Talk about running back decision making, because that, that's so key, especially in the behind the line of scrimmage. When you have to, in a split second, read your blocks, understand the play design, and hit it at the right time, he is so skilled at that. Um, and I, you know, it might sound easy, uh, you know, to uh, just you know people just watching on their couch, but it's so complicated when the defense is trying to uh, mess up the game plan from the get go. The blocks aren't always clean and perfect, and you know, Dobbins just, he finds a way to make something 
uh, even when there's just a sliver of space there. So really, really impressive. Um, you know, he's not a guy that's going to be super, super explosive in the backfield, going to create his own yardage there. But where at the second level, once he does clear the line of scrimmage, that first wave, that's when he can make guys miss. Uh, he can chop his feet in space, step out of tackle attempts, love the way he can maintain his balance at contact. Um, so I, I think he's a guy that, you know, if, if the hole is there, he's going to take advantage. Um, he's not going to be a consistent creator when the play design isn't properly executed. But again, he's built for the pro game, the vision, decision-making, open field elusiveness, um, the fact that he can be a three-down player, catch a ball out of the backfield. I mean, that's why he's going to be probably a top 60 pick uh, at the next level. Uh, I think he's going to be maybe not a first-rounder, but, you know, maybe early second round. Uh, you know, very Nick Chubbish uh, with kind of where he went in the draft and then, you know, how he's going to be viewed by NFL teams. So he's going to be, a, I think, one of the top five running backs off the board. Austin Mack, come back from injury, kind of an inconsistent player. I think it was shown, excuse me, on Saturday. He's prone for the big catch and then the questionable drop. Your thoughts on Austin Mack? Yeah, and I have it down in my notes that he's a Jekyll and Hyde finisher. Um, you know, he's going to make outstanding focus catches uh, where you just you see the catch radius. Uh, you see his ability to maintain that focus through the catch. He'll take a hit, uh, has a clamped grip on the ball once he secures it, uh, and just really, really impressive in that in that area. But then, you know, the next play he'll just have a simple drop, uh, you know, on an easy play. So, you know, I think there, there are things to like about him at the next level, things that will translate. Uh, he understands the importance of setting up and selling routes. I think he gives good effort as a blocker. But you mentioned uh, the injuries, and reliability is a skill. And that's something where with Austin Mack, that's a big question mark. And so I thought he came into the year as uh, a possible mid-round pick if he had the senior year that we thought was possible. But I don't think that he has had that senior year, and I think it's going to come down to uh, you know the pre-draft process uh, in terms of the All-Star Game circuit, the combine workouts, and that's going to determine if he's a late-round pick or a priority free agent. Yeah, he's a guy who needs to go to the Senior Bowl and all that kind of stuff and really show mm-hmm. out. Well, I mean, he is a good kid and very coachable. So if he gets you know whatever staff coaches that, he may be able to endear himself there a player that has endeared himself to many people in Columbus, and that is wide receiver K.J. Hill. We spoke a couple months ago, and I said I thought he was Bobby Ingram reincarnated. Your thoughts on the uh, guy who very could possibly break the all-time receiving record here at Ohio State? He's a high-volume target. Um, you know, if you, you, you force feed him the ball, he's going he's gonna to make it pay off. Uh, he's an NFL slot. Um, you see the strong hands. I mean, he will have a few drops as well. But you see the strong hands. He can catch the ball away, uh, really well away from his body. Um, he does a nice job manipulating space at the stem of his route. Um, he understands patience. He understands tempo. Uh, works really well over the middle of the field where he can find those open zones and make himself available to the quarterback. Um, and that's such an underrated skill for a wide receiver, just making yourself available on a consistent basis. So um, he has a little bit of juice after the catch. He'll bounce off uh, contact here and there. But for the most part, not really a dynamic, um, you know, yak threat, uh, a guy that's going to, um, you, you know, really strike fear in the heart of defenses after the catch as a runner. Um, but he's a great possession guy, reliable possession guy. Um, that's, that's who the quarterback is going to, 
uh, you know, look to when he needs a, when he needs a first down, when he wants to move the sticks. And so that's going to help KJ Hill. I'm going to be eager to see what he runs at the combine. Um, you know, he looks more like a, a four five guy instead of a four, four guy to me, just watching him play. Um, and that's probably why he's going to be maybe early day three. Um, there's a chance he could sneak into the top 100, but I think it's more likely he ends up fourth, fifth round as just a re- reliable slot option. Another guy who has had an interesting career here at wide receiver, I think his timing is good because if he was coming back, I'm not even sure how many minutes he would get. And that is Ben Victor. I think you're right. With just, you know, watching Ohio State and seeing these freshmen they have, and I know they got a couple more coming, especially at receiver position. They're just just re- reloading. It's pretty silly. Um, and I'm, I'm big, uh, a big Olave fan. I think when you look towards – uh, not to get too much off topic, but when you get looking towards uh, 2021 draft, um, you know, I, I, I tweeted this out the other day or a couple of weeks ago that the three best wide receivers in the Big Ten are probably all so- true sophomores and not eligible until 2021. And that's uh, Rashad Bateman at Minnesota, uh, the Purdue kid, uh, and Ben Alavi. I think those three guys, uh, probably the three best receivers in, in the Big Ten. And that's you know, there's, there's some other good ones, KJ Hamler and Nico Collins at Michigan and, you know, of course, Ohio State's guys. But um, really looking forward to Olave and Fields next year. But back on Victor, I, you know, he is very, very tall, long, nimble, limber. Um, he looks like Gumby playing wide receiver because he has that skinny build, but he's so flexible. Uh, and he can has that fluidness to him where he can uh, adjust and, and make throws. He can, uh, you know, climb the ladder, bring throws down. I, you don't see a lot of. Uh, you know, when it's crowded catch points, you don't see a lot of uh, contested catches uh, on his tape. Uh, there are times where he's, you know, has a bad habit of using his body to finish catches. Um, I think his focus needs to get a little bit better, uh, which makes it tough to trust him. Um, he struggles with physical DBs, and so I think he needs to do a better job with press. He needs to do a, a better job downfield. Uh, not going to break many tackles. Doesn't have the, uh, you know, the run power to do something like that. So, you know, he's a guy that's also going to be in that late round mix. Um, kind of similar conversation as Austin Mack. Uh, could be a PFA, but could very well just as easily uh, get drafted in the later rounds. He, there's a lot to like about Victor. We could spend the whole show talking about Ohio State's receivers for next year because as much as I love Olave, there's a chance he's going to be the third most talented receiver on the roster next year, which is hard to say out loud, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Okay, this guy's much conversation to be had about because I don't know if he's going to come out. Our word is he is debating it. Left tackle, Thayer Munford. Well, I, I really hope he goes back because he, he needs more work. I, I think he has a, a, a pretty high ceiling uh, as a football player, but he's just not there yet. And, you know, we saw it a, a little bit again in the Penn State game. Um, you know, I, I've watched, I've uh, studied his tape against Michigan State, against Nebraska, um, a few other tapes so far this year, and Cincinnati, Indiana. Um, and so far, he's just been, uh, you know, okay, but it's just a few mistakes that he just needs to clean up that I think he can get there, but consistency has not been a strength for him this year. Um, you know, you see a guy that has the frame that you want. He has the strong upper body. He can uh, create movement in the run game. Um, you see the lower body, uh, enough movement where he can – uh, swing his hips, stay square to rushers, but there are also times where you see him and his feet just aren't quite fast enough. Uh, he's caught lunging. Um, he makes it too easy for blockers to get underneath him and then create movement, put him on his on his heels. So 
Um, I think he has a bad habit of settling his feet too early in his pass sets, and that kind of opens the window for rushers to uh, you know do different things, whether it's uh, you know fake them out and turn the corner, uh, do an outside in uh, move and just get him off balance. Uh, yeah, I think there is a lot to work with there. There are a lot of tools. But he's not there yet, and I think if he would be wise going back to school at Ohio State, getting better, improving that consistency, becoming a more seasoned player, um, and I think you know, sure, he can go now, and you know, he might be a mid-round draft pick. But in terms of his long term and being, you know, because the NFL is not a developmental league, and you know, it's you don't have as much chance to learn. Go back to school, learn, get better, and you'll be better off long term. A guy who transferred from Rutgers and has been impressive, left guard Jonah Jackson. He he's done a nice job, I think, for the most part, especially considering he's been a you know senior transfer, grad transfer. I think he wins with his natural size. Um, he's, his upper half is almost quicker than his lower half, and so that leads to some range and balance issues. You know, the further away from the line of scrimmage, the less effective he is. But he's a very stout player. I think he's best in a power scheme. Uh, best in a phone booth where he doesn't have to cover a lot of ground. Uh, he can a little bit. You know, he can do a little bit of that. But he's at his best when he can just rely on his, his sheer size. You know, he's got that broad-shouldered frame. He's got an NFL body, raw strength, has a pop in his hands where he can pass off rushers. You don't see him bullied. Uh, you know, he has that body that he can just absorb blows. Um, and then he can get defenders moving uh, in the run game with his upper body power. Uh, he has good initial quickness off the snap. Uh, that'll help him reach blocks, help create run lanes. So uh, Jonah Jackson, I, I think, is a draftable player. Uh, but, again, I think he's best in a power scheme, best when he's in a phone booth and can really just let that size and power um, use those tools to get the best of whoever he's going up against. Draftable? Yeah, I, I think he's uh, – I don't know if he's a future starter, but I think he's a guy who can come in at depth for a power scheme. I, I think he's a draftable player. So this is a little bit of an ambush question, but – Mm-hmm. Ohio, I know that you've been looking at the offensive line. Ohio State Center has had Corey Winsley, Pat Elfline, Billy Price, Mike Jordan. Maybe uh, Price and Jordan weren't natural centers, but that their last four guys are playing in the league. Josh Myers, to me, looks like the best of the bunch. Is that possible? Um, you know, I think it, it, from what I have seen, uh, I haven't done a deep dive on him yet, but I have uh, studied him a little bit. Um, I, I think that there's uh, there's obvious skill there. I, I think it's similar, almost a similar conversation with uh, with Munford because you see the talent um, and the highlights are really good. But there are times the Michigan State uh, tape really uh, reminds me of kind of the issues that he has with uh, you know the the leverage. I mean, he, he his pads rise a little bit too much off the snap. Um, you know, he can do a nice job at the second level. We saw that in the Penn State game with some of those Justin Fields runs up the middle uh, where he can go to the linebacker level and at least get in the way so Justin Fields, Justin Fields can make something happen. So I think we see the ability, but I, he's not quite there yet. So, but I mean, I, I, it'll be tough for him to, you know, overtake Elfline and Price and Jordan. Um, but I think you can see he's obviously talented. He's a future NFL guy. Um, just, you know, he needs to work on a few of the details of the position. Uh, it's a very technical position, very, you know, obviously you have to be, use your intelligence. And I think he has shown that he can handle those responsibilities, just more consistency and he'll be better off. I know there's no such thing as a perfect football prospect, Hmm. but if there's something wrong with Chase Young, I haven't figured it out. 
everything from the physicality to the on-field play to his pedigree. You're talking about a guy that went to DeMatha and then to Ohio State. That's like going to Harvard and then, you know, Harvard Law School. His sense of the moment. Your thoughts on uh, number two? The easiest evaluation I've done this year. Um, it's just it's a joy to watch him play because he's so good. He's so good at what he does. And, you know, it's last year, the moment the draft ended, I said Nick Bosa was the best player in the nation, uh, best prospect in the the nation. Um, And even after the injury against TCU, I held to that. Nick Bosa was the number one player in last year's draft from start to finish. The moment that the 2019 draft ended in April, Chase Young, I said he was the best prospect in the nation and that he has more than lived up to that. He has exceeded expectations with uh, you know, the way he's even gotten better this season as a junior um, for, you know, the, the stat lovers. He has the stats, you know, the sacks, the disruptions, the pressures for the tape lovers. He has that too. I mean, he, he's been so impressive and he could beat you in so many ways. I mean, he's not, he's not quite as technically refined as, as Nick Bosa was last year, but he's close. And, you know, he's so powerful with his hands. There's purpose in everything he does. He understands how to set up his blockers and it's more than just physical ability. It kind of, kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, I, I have a lot, you know, LeBron James, I have a lot of respect for him because even though he won the genetics lottery and, you know, is built the way he is, the athleticism that he has, he still works at it. He, he puts in so much time to be the best that he can be. Chase Young, it's kind of similar. He, he won, uh, you know, the, the DNA lottery with uh, his size, his athletic skill, uh, just the frame that he has, the strength potential. But he also puts the in time. Exactly, exactly. He, he Nobody like has he, better hair than Chase Young. No, I mean, if you were going to build a pass rusher, that's what you want it to look like. Um, but he also puts in the time behind the scenes. And, you know, credit to Larry Johnson, of course. Um, you know, he deserves uh, a lot of credit. If you're a pass rusher at the high school level, why would you not go to Ohio State and, and go through that pipeline uh, with what they produce? So, you know, the coaching deserves a lot of credit, but so does Chase because he puts in the time uh, in the film room and just getting better, understanding the different techniques. You see, you know, the side scissors, the club rip, the, uh, you know, different different hand techniques that he can use. He's, he's a very smart player, too. He understands what the offense is doing. He, he, he senses draws. He understands, okay, this is going to be a screen. Um, he, he sees the play coming. And so it's not just a pin your ears back and let him go, uh, but it's pretty fun when he can do that. So the easiest evaluation I've done this year, um, he will be a top three pick. The question is just uh, if the Cincinnati Bengals, who have a, uh, a lead on the top pick overall, I do think that they will go quarterback uh, Joe Burrow. I think that would be, you know, as good as Chase Young is, um, you know, just no position impacts the game more than a quarterback. And I think Joe Burrow is uh, worthy of that top pick with what he's done this year. Um, but Chase Young, it's kind of it's going to be a similar conversation as last year. Nick Bosa uh, went number two, and I think he's been playing amazing for the 49ers, but I don't think the Cardinals regret taking quarterback at all because of the way that transforms that team. And I think it'll be similar this year. The Bengals will go – Joe Burrow, and I don't think they'll regret it because, uh, you know, the way the quarterback can impact the, the win-loss record. But whoever is picking number two, whether that's uh, the Redskins or the Giants or the Dolphins or whoever it ends up being, they are not going to be upset to see Chase Young fall in their lap, similar to the 49ers and Bosa last year. 
it would be interesting if he went to the Redskins. Dwayne Haskins, a D.C. native, and then Chase coming home would be excellent. Yeah. As far as Joe Burrow goes, I don't have as much intimate knowledge of other quarterbacks that have come out, but I cannot think of a better fit for a team than Joe Burrow to the Bengals simply because it's an impossible job for a quarterback, and I think he has the mental whatever to get through it. Um, his belief in himself, even going back, if you watch when he was interviewed in high school, there is no one that believes in themselves more than Joe Burrow. And if you mm-hmm. talk to people that played with him, their eyes light up. So I could see the Bengals doing that. And like you said, passing on Chase. Go ahead. Yeah, no, the, well, the quarterback position is an intangible position. And yeah. you need that mental toughness. You need uh, the smarts, the poise. Uh, and that's something he has shown this year. And we saw it in the Alabama game. We see it week in, week out. Uh, not only his accuracy down the field, as impressive as that has been with his growth in that area, um, just his ability to command the offense, uh, like you said, the confidence that he shows. It, it's just he rarely gets down on himself. And I really think that just that that it's contagious to the rest of that offense and the rest of the, the team as a whole, the defense as well. I mean, when you have a quarterback like that, a leader, that's something that the rest of the team can look up to. Uh, it doesn't need to be a raw, raw guy. Uh, you know, he just needs to, uh, you know, kind of lead by example. And, that, and that's what he does. So I, Joe Burrow with what he done, what, what he has done this year um, has been so impressive. And with the Tua injury, um, I think that kind of, uh, you know, eliminates any doubt. And, you know, here we have, you know, Joe Burrow. He never thought we'd be saying this three months ago, but here we are. I think he's the favorite to be the top pick. And I think it's it's deserving. Whatever it factor is, I know that's kind of a corny statement, but I think what you just described, that's what Burrow has. And you can hmm. see it in the way that team plays. So I know that the new offensive coordinator they got from the Saints um, deserves a ton of credit. Joe but Brady, right? That's a team. Yeah, that's a team riding the confidence of their leader, and uh, that's Joe. And listen, the first few years in Cincinnati are going to be terrible. That's mm-hmm. why I would take him because I think he can get through that. For example, if you put Dwayne Haskins there, I think Dwayne would really have struggled. Okay, another guy. This guy has made himself some cash this year. Defensive tackle Davon Hamilton. Yeah, you, you you hit the nail on the head. Uh, this is a guy who has been one of the biggest risers uh, this year, uh, playing his best football as a senior. Uh, and I get a lot of questions why, uh, you know, Wisconsin center Tyler Biedish, who uh, came in as a possible first-round pick, uh, not he had played not played that level. Why is he dropping? Just throw on the Ohio State Wisconsin tape. Uh, going up against Devon Hamilton, uh, he just does a really nice job using his power to beat up the guy in front of him off in the center. Um, he's usually lined up as that nose tackle, one uh, one technique uh, over the A-gap. Um, you know, he's more of a two-down player. You don't see him a ton on passing downs. A little upright as a rusher, um, and that, you know, that, that it, it will hurt him at times with leverage with centers to get underneath him, but he moves really well for his size. He carries his weight well. Um, I thought he did a really nice job uh, tracking the football. Um, so he, he always has a, a ball radar. He can retrace his steps, make the tackle, uh, physical hands. He can beat up blockers, knock them backwards. Uh, there, there's a lot to like about him as just that 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 one technique, uh, a guy that can be a true nose and uh, maybe give you a little bit more with his athleticism. So Devon Hamilton, he's right there in that third, fourth round mix when he was a priority free agent coming into the year. 10-year pro, mark it down. Linebacker, Malik Harrison. 
one of the better senior linebackers uh, in this draft class. Um, it's not a great group of senior linebackers, but Harrison's one of the few guys that you point to and say, okay, you know, maybe, you know, he can fill a starting spot for us. Uh, love him as a downhill player, highly physical. Um, he does a nice job mirroring uh, the run game. He can take on blocks. He can finish. Uh, does a really good job as a, as a quarterback spy. Um, you see that a lot when they face, they're facing Ohio State facing a mobile quarterback. Uh, flies around the field, uh, has some thump as a tackler, um, and, but he's pretty pretty reliable. Um, very good straight line speed. Um, I, I think where I have a little, a little bit of issue with him is when he's you know he'll he'll take some false steps. Uh, when he has a clear shot to the ball carrier, he can unlock and go. But when he dance around, uh, maybe a block or two, that's where you see a little bit of uh, he's long legged and you see a little bit of stiffness. Um, he doesn't have those. Um, you know, that, that fluidness to him. Um, and that's going to hurt him a little bit. It's could, it's going to hurt him in coverage as well at the NFL level. Um, but, you know, I think he is a guy that can come in. And um, I, I think right now he, he just missed my top 100. Um, so I think I'd probably have him in the fourth round mix then. Um, but I think he's going to test well, um, especially in a straight line and a 40-yard dash, and that's going to help him. Um, and I think that, you know, he's only helped himself as a senior. So wouldn't be surprised if he gets into that day two area as well, especially because, like I said, it's not a great year for linebackers. Uh, and so teams needing a linebacker could take him a little bit early, uh, possibly in those top 100 picks. Like you said, he is a tremendous athlete. He's going to obliterate the combine. He's the best dunker on the team. Guys like that are easy to fall in love with, and with that many teams picking, I could definitely see someone being super smitten with Harrison. Mm -hmm. This guy I do not believe should come out. I haven't really heard a lot about him coming out, but when you talk about talent, he's got it in, in droves, and that's linebacker Baron Browning. Yeah, I mean, you just you summed it up. I mean, he's, he's such a good-looking athlete. I mean, that's how you kind of want linebackers to look. Um, and the highlights are great. You know, you see mirror skills. Uh, he can read the backfield action uh, and go. Um, he can be a, a big-time blitzer. When, he, when they ask him to rush off the edge, uh, you know, he has the size and the length where he's he's almost looks like a pass rusher. So he can do that as well. Um, and then in coverage, I think he – has really grown this year uh, with his ability to watch the eyes of the quarterback, react to the pass, use that length where he can uh, tip the pass, which, uh, you know, he did a couple weeks ago. Um, and that's it, something that uh, it, it plays well at the next level. But at the same time, um, he's not very gap sound, not gap disciplined. Um, you know, he'll take some wasted steps, has some tunnel vision versus the run. These do a better job locating uh, and taking on angle blocks. Um, he can be eaten up by the line of scrimmage and needs to do a better job getting off those blocks using that length. So um, just recognizing play design, things like that, I, I think he does need to get better. So physically, um, you know, that, there's a lot there to work with, but mentally he's not quite there yet. And so I agree. I think he would benefit quite a bit by going back to school. And, um, you know, I think he could turn himself into a, uh, even maybe a top 50 pick. I think he has that type of potential if the, the light goes on for him between the years. It's just he's not there yet. He's still more potential than production at this point. Yeah, of all the guys we've gone through on this list so far, to me, he's the one that has to come back, but also he maintains, like you said, a tremendous upside because I mean, he, in the airport, he's the guy you want. He's first off the bus yeah. linebacker. It's just a stud. Okay, this is kind of similar to Chase Young in that he is an elite prospect following two other elite prospects at his spot. 
But if you look at the list of corners Ohio State has produced, Brad Roby, Marshawn Lattimore, Gary and Conley, Eli Apple, Denzel Ward, I think Jeffrey Okuda is the best one of the bunch when I'm projecting them out. He's been as good as any of them in college. Physically, I think he's the prototype. Pedigree, the Texas football and everything like that, his attitude, everything about him. I love Jeffrey Okuda. Am I overdoing it? I don't think that's crazy at all. I mean, you know, it's, it, but it's saying a lot considering, you know, Denzel Ward, Marshawn Lattimore, and just the pipeline of corners that this program has produced at the NFL level. Uh, but the, all the, the talent's there, um, you know, the size, the length, the closing speed, uh, you know, he's more physical, I think, than he, he looks. I mean, he's not afraid to come up and, and hit you. Um, and he's a, an explosive tackler, a sound tackler. Um, you know, he's not a guy who just throws himself around and, uh, you know, hopes he, he brings you down. So um, you, you're watching his film. He stays attached to receivers downfield. Um, he can locate and use that length to – uh, play through the hands of receivers or disrupt the catch point. Um, it just, he does such a nice job staying connected to the, the routes. And it's something where he needs to get a little more technically sound with maybe his footwork, um, you know, just understanding, uh, you know, patience in press coverage. Uh, you know, he can be, he can get his hips turned maybe a little too early at times, but you know, these are all technical things that I think he'll continue and grow and get better at. Um, and, but all, all the talent is there for him to be a, uh, a, a number one corner for an NFL team for a long time. Uh, it's why I projected him as a top five pick coming into the year, even though he had what one start to his name. Um, but the way he finished last year, uh, was, was so impressed in North against Northwestern against Washington. And then this year, uh, he's only just kind of picked it up where he left off and has, has not disappointed at all. So Jeffrey Okuda, um, I think he's uh, going to be a top 10 pick and there's a good chance he can end up in the top 10 or top five, just like uh, Denzel Ward did. I would be shocked if he gets out of the top six, just because when they do the deep dive on him, like Chase, he's going to come up roses. Just a smart kid, great pedigree, super productive. He was on Hamler a lot in press coverage, Mm -hmm. and that's no easy assignment. He actually moved into the slot to cover him a few times, which I was really impressed by. Okay, talk about a guy who's made himself some money. Good Lord. I'm not sure anybody has ever gone from Buckeye, I don't know how you'd call it, he wasn't the fan's favorite, to now he's had as good a senior year as I can remember anybody having with the career he's had, and that is cornerback Damon Arnett. Yeah, and I think it would shock some Buckeye fans to know that uh, over the summer, scouts were giving him second-round grades um, going into his senior year because – uh, you know, watching him last year's film, uh, you, you could see the athleticism, um, but too many times he was just so, he was so hands-on. He was so handy down the field, and just he was a flag magnet. And that was something that I know would drive you crazy when you watch Ohio State play, and because a lot of times it wasn't necessary. It just kind of panicked, and um, you know that was his response. Um, and but when this year, it just he looks so much more confident. Um, he's, you don't see that same panic. Uh, and maybe the thing that I've been most impressed with is Damon Arnett is one of the best tackling corners I've evaluated in this class. Really, really impressive. I didn't necessarily expect that, but something that uh, I'm really, really impressed with that, that he's doing this year. And, you know, he's not making those same penalties. He does have a few. Um, you know, there's, there's one against Indiana that really stands out, um, but he's not showing that same panic that he did last year. He's, 
uh, better timing. Um, you see the quick-footed uh, athleticism that, you know, we know he always had, but he's doing a better job turning his head and locating. He's flipping his hips. Um, that speed, he can stay on top of receivers vertically. So um, I think that, you know, part of it is the the shift in systems uh, with Halfley. You know, just it seems like he's able to play faster and not have to think as much. Um so, you know, he's showing his toughness. He's playing with, I know, that, that right-hand injury um, and still playing physical. So the NFL is looking for man-to-man corners, and that's exactly what Damon Arnett is, that you can throw him out on an island and he can hold his own. So, um, you know, like I said, scouts are giving him second-round grades um, coming into the year, and I think he's done nothing to hurt that. And, you know, I would not be surprised if Ohio State has three corners drafted in the top 40 picks. and. I have a feeling we're about to talk about that that third one. That's a possibility. We are, and this is probably going to end up being the most interesting one in terms of should he stay or should he go. Redshirt sophomore cornerback Sean Wade. I heard you either on one of your podcasts or one of the many times I've heard you speak in the last few months compare him possibly to Minka Fitzpatrick. And I don't know if people know, Wade draws arguably the hardest assignment in every game they play. I haven't seen another guy with that kind of range in the slot got kind of length, but like he was on Hamler most of the game. He is just a really good football player, pedigree-wise too. I mean, you're talking about a five-star kid from Florida. I have people who tell me they think he's coming back. I would be shocked if Sean Wade came back. Your thoughts on uh, Wade? Yeah, I heard some concern about, well, he, he hasn't proven he can be an outside corner. And, well, you know, if you prove to me that you could be an inside corner and handle space like that, then I feel pretty good about projecting you on the outside when you have the sideline as a kind of a bumper uh, to help you. Uh, yeah, I think you're right when you, you say that, you know, we're drawing the toughest assignment because you better be a top-tier athlete facing a slot receiver when you have so much space you have to handle. Um, and, you know, there, there are certainly areas where he could improve if he goes back to school. Um you know, should have had that that pick against Penn State. Um, you know, need sure. to do a better job recognizing certain things. Um, he can. There are times where he, he spends too much time in trail mode, um, where he can you know maybe lose the line of scrimmage. Um, the route anticipation isn't quite there yet. Uh, you know, he's getting better and better, but he's he, he's better at just using his athleticism uh, more so than understanding the route. And uh, there are times where he can just be late reacting uh to uh to what's going on so um you know I, I i would i think you could benefit by going back to school but like you i would be surprised because there's so much going there for him with the size and athleticism um you know he's continuing to get better and better the one thing that i you know that i have heard is you know he you know off field um you know immaturity is kind of a label that was attached to him when he got to columbus and i think he's He's uh, shed that a little bit. Um, You know, he's kind of matured over the years and some of those lazy tendencies, um, you know, I think he's, he's helped, um, you know, shed those, uh, but still you want to see more urgency. You want to see him uh, mature a little, a little bit more, but the talent is undeniable. And that's why he's uh, got a good chance to be a first round pick if he does declare. And uh, it's going to be hard to kind of keep him in Columbus when you're talking about uh, being such a high draft pick. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder so much in the draft. I cannot believe one team is not going to be head over heels on him just because of his versatility. And, I mean, like you said, listen, he could play for the Cowboys tomorrow in the slot and be better than what they have. 
could possibly keep him out of the first would be, again, just the the immature label that was attached to him when he got to Columbus. And like I said, I think he's he's done quite a bit to shed that. Um, and he's playing really well. But if he does not have the right answers in the interview process, that kind of thing, yeah. I think that might be the only thing that would keep him out of the first. But I agree with you. I mean, talent-wise, uh, you just don't see a lot of athletes that size with that that coverage ability. Um, and it's a premium position, like we said. I mean, corner is a top three position in the NFL. Um, you know, quarterback's one, pass rusher's probably two. Corner's a close three. And someone even put corner at number two ahead of pass rusher. So, uh, you know, it's just if you can find these guys, um, you know, it, it, a lot of teams have depth issues at corner. And Sean Wade's going to be awfully appealing to uh, a lot of teams in next year's draft if he does declare. No question. This is probably one of the better dudes ever to play here. If he's president of the United States, eventually don't be surprised. Free safety, Jordan Fuller. Yeah, and, you know, I hear hear a lot about, I talk about the three corners, and then I hear, oh, don't forget about Jordan Fuller. And, you know, I mean, Jordan Fuller is a nice player. Um, I, I just don't think he's much more than a late-round draft pick because um, he's, he's not a playmaker. Um, you know, he he's one of the team leaders in tackles, but it's often because he's a step late to the play. Uh, you know, he doesn't anticipate the action coming, and so he cleans it up at the back end. And so, he you know, he is a, a solid tackler, but uh, I want my safety uh, making those plays and, uh, you know, disrupting the catch point. And um, it just he has an ultra-conservative play style. And so he's just not going to make a lot of plays. He's not going to take many chances. So um, he's a solid size, speed, safety, can be reliable as a tackler. And, and there's value in that at the next level. Um, but, again, he just he doesn't anticipate or show the type of instincts that I would desire in a center field safety. Um, and so I think because of that, he's going to be a, a more of a day three pick, a later round pick, um, and a guy that's going to have to show that he's going to stand out on special teams. Uh, I think it's going to be tough for him to see consistent snaps on defense just because he, he hasn't proven to be a playmaker, and that's the, what a lot of NFL teams are looking for at the position. Here is the haymaker question. I was going to ambush Dane with this, but I did tell him I was going to ask before the show, Justin Fields. From a hmm. physical perspective, he reminds me of John Elway. There was a play in the game the other day where Yetor Gross Matos had him wrapped up for a loss on third and two, and Fields just kind of spread his legs and balanced and, dude, helicoptered off of him. That's a first-round or high-round draft pick, and then he got the two yards. Two plays later, he threw from the left hash with anticipation a deep out to the right, which are two of the things that I would think are opposite ends of the spectrum for a quarterback prospect. He's sharp as a tack, had offers from the Ivy League. He's got a baseball pedigree. He's being coached by Ryan Day. Tell me why Justin Fields won't get picked in front of Trevor Lawrence next year. Oh, and, and I, I've mentioned this throughout the season, but, yeah, it shouldn't surprise anybody. Um, it was pretty evident early this, in this season that it was gonna, it's going to be a race uh, between Lawrence and, and Fields, and that's a testament to Trevor Lawrence um, kind of, leveling off a little bit this year, not having a superstar type of season. And Justin Fields is having a superstar type of season. He's just so gifted. Um, you know, we don't usually see that this type of package um, in terms of the ability to throw the ball with that athleticism and that size. Um, and, he, and kind of like you alluded to, uh, the intelligence is there too. Um, you know, he's not just a, an athlete out there playing on instinct. I mean, there, he pays attention to fundamentals. Um, you know, he 
understands coverages and that, that shows on tape with the way he uses his eyes and the way he'll scramble and keep plays alive. Um, I, Bruce Feldman, my, my colleague over at the athletic had a, uh, mentioned this on Twitter, but it, Ohio state's converting on over 58% of third downs. And that's a direct reflection of Justin Fields. Uh, you know, no disrespect to Dobbins or the coaching staff, but that that's a reflection on fields. And it's just so impressive because that's, that, that's not only the best in the country, that's the best conversion rate on third down in over a decade in college football. Um, and his ability to use his legs and spin out of tackle attempts uh, just it is really, really impressive. I think that, uh, you know, ultimately where is he going to be drafted? Well, I think it's going to depend on what he looks like next year as a junior. Um, you know, we can say, we can project all we want, but if he goes out next year and has a below average year, you know, at least to what, you know, what we expect, then that's going to affect his draft status. If he goes out and exceeds expectations, then that'll affect things. So ultimately, he's going to be drafted based off of what he does in the 2020 uh, regular season and beyond. Um, but all the talent is there for him to, and I can already, I, I know it's coming in the summer after the draft's over, I'm kind of previewing next year. All the talk is going to be Justin Fields versus Trevor Lawrence, who's going to be the first quarterback off the board. So, I mean, it, it's going to be coming this summer, and it's going to be an interesting discussion and debate. And, um, you know, it's it's Fields has certainly earned it. Um, I, I don't think that Joe Burrow is going to lose the Heisman, um, but I do think that if anybody can overtake him, I think it's, it is Justin Fields. Um, if he has a huge game uh, in, you know, against Michigan and – uh, the, and Joe Burrow, you know, maybe struggles down the stretch a little bit. Maybe that's the only chance he has, but, uh, Justin Fields is a special, special player and it's going to be reflected when he's ultimately drafted and he's going to be drafted very, very high. So, uh, eager to see him, uh, next week, uh, in Ann Arbor. That's going to be a, a huge test for him. Uh, you know, he faced a little bit of adversity against Penn State and came through it, you know, pretty well and, uh, eager to see how he does against another challenge with the way, uh, the Wolverines have been playing lately. So, it's going to be a fun matchup, and I'm looking forward to evaluating, doing more of a deeper dive with him this summer um, and projecting him forward. You know, what's interesting, I tried to look in the NFL for his physical doppelganger. Mm. It's Evan Ingram, believe it or not. If you look <laughs> at physically, I mean, think about that. Like, he's scrambling, and all of a sudden you have, like, an athletic tight end coming at a quarter. If there's a weakness, I don't see it. The talent level is overwhelming. Whether he can put yeah. it all together and, and be the number one pick, I guess, is we will see. But uh, I would take him over Trevor Lawrence in a heartbeat. But I don't know if you know this, Dan. I'm slightly biased. Speaking <laughs> of slightly biased, Dan, your pick for the national championship, who do you think will be the final four? And then who do you think will win it? Well, yeah, I think uh, LSU, Ohio State, Clemson uh, are going to be the top three. Um, and then the fourth one is going to be interesting. Um I'd love to see Utah get in there um, just because I, I, I have a lot of respect for their quarterback, uh, Tyler Huntley, and I love what they have on going on defense. So I'd love to see see that. Um, it, I'll, I'll pick Utah uh, to uh, win the Pac-12 and get that fourth spot over um, well, Oklahoma, over Georgia, over um, uh, any other uh, Big 12 team if Baylor's able to win the Big 12. Um, I But the I think everyone, maybe not everyone, but a lot of people want to see that LSU-Ohio State matchup in the final. Um, that would be a lot of fun. Joe Burrow going up against his old team. Um, you know, Joe Burrow, and, and, you know, we know Joe left on good terms, still has a lot of respect for the Ohio State program. 
Um, and that's, that's a good team at LSU and Ohio state's a, a formidable opponent for them. And so it'd be a lot of fun and it would be kind of like a, a scouting dream with the amount of benefit, kind of like the LSU Alabama was, and you know, uh, some of these Ohio state games with all the NFL talent on the field, so much fun to watch LSU and Ohio state go up against each other, uh, two premier quarterbacks with a lot of talent around them, two pretty good defenses. Um, I, I would, I would love to watch that matchup. And I, I, I know I am not alone in saying that. So I, w- I would love to see that final four and that finals. That'd be a lot of fun. Bucknutters, we are very, very grateful that Dane could carve out this much time for us. He is the best in the business. He does not provide this much time for everybody. Dane, I cannot thank you enough, man. Anytime. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus.